This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Rabbi Levi Afton, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul, here on Soul to Soul, the last show, <clears throat> my last show before Pesach. Pesach is in just over 72 hours. We begin the holiday of freedom, and obviously it's in that headspace that we approach uh, this hour, this Fabringen. Today is also the anniversary of the birthday of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, a great leader of our time who has impacted the world in many ways, and it's a day worth mentioning it and celebrating it, and hopefully during the show we can address various themes that connect to both ideas. Before we begin, I want to wish each and every one of the listeners and all of us a Chag Kasher V'Sameach, a kosher and happy Pesach. I'll wish it again at the end of the show, but for those listening now, I just want to have the incredible opportunity to wish all of us and all of you a Chag Sameach. We should just have an awesome and wonderful and fruitful redeeming holiday. I want to start the show with a piece of music, set the tone. This is Time for Change by Mendy Wald here on 101.9 High FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Rabbi Levi Afton. Our WhatsApp number is 0618951019. SMS 34519. Once again, 34519 for the SMS. WhatsApp 0618951019. Chag Sameach to all of us. So, Pesach is here. And the first word that comes to mind when Pesach is presented is freedom. It's the holiday of freedom. And the morale of Prague, one of the great sages in the 16th century, mentions that ever since the Exodus, the Jewish people became we became essentially free people we became people who no matter what circumstance we are in were free which is an incredible transformation that a person can be free wherever they are they can have the attitude and the inner clarity of freedom because in many ways freedom is the gift of clarity. It's the gift of independence, the gift of staying true to who we are. And that we can have, that's a gift we can have in any circumstance we have. And obviously for the next thousands of years, there's been many bumps and there continues to be bumps in the road. But the the morale's insight is that no matter what, each and every one of us is a, Ben Chorin is a free person in our core and it's become part of our DNA to be free. And I think that's why this holiday resonates so deeply. There's no question that it is the most popular, if not one of the most popular holidays on the calendar, Pesach, even though, you know, if you play devil's advocate and if you play the cynical approach, it seems to be a very heavy holiday full of details and thou shalls and thou shall nots and technical and, you know, a lot of labor, laborious and so much going on. And nevertheless, this holiday has resonated with people across the world for thousands of years, regardless of their level of religiosity and observance. They've found a connection to this holiday. The holiday has resonated, this idea of 
truly being free in any circumstance because that is one of the greatest aspirations that each and every one of us has is no matter what befalls us and no matter where life takes us and whatever circumstances come to us, that we should still be able to remain free in our core to not become enslaved to unhealthy perspectives, to not become enslaved to other people's perception of us, etc., etc. So when we come to Pesach, the first thing that hits us is the aspiration that each and every one of us has to tap into our inner freedom. So many things that we do on the Pesach night, whether as we recline on our left, like the way of kings, that we drink wine, we set up our table in elegance, we have an incredible evening that has so much symbolism of freedom because we're trying to invoke within us that inner freedom to celebrate that ability that we have that regardless of our circumstances, we can be free. And that is a point worth repeating over and over in our minds because if there's one struggle that many of us have in our time is our convincing ourselves that due to life circumstances, due to our childhood, due to the past, due to the place we live or the people we're surrounded with, we are locked down, that we are doomed to live a half-baked life that we cannot achieve our potential without realizing that regardless of our circumstances, and not even regardless and not in spite of our circumstances, but because of our circumstances, we can in every situation achieve the ultimate freedom that's called upon us on that moment. There is nothing that ties us down to freedom. One of the stories that's come you know, to my mind a lot over this Pesach season over and over and over is, and I think I mentioned it last week on the show, and I'm going to repeat it, is the idea that the Rabbi Yosef Yitzhak Lubavitch, at a certain stage in his life, he was arrested for being a teacher of Judaism, of faith, in communist Russia, which at that time was illegal. And the interrogator at the time is threatening him, and he starts waving a gun in front of Rabbi Yosef Yitzhak's eyes, and he says, this gun gets people to talk. This toy gets people to talk. It gets people afraid. And Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak's answer was, it could only make fear to somebody who has many gods but one world. But somebody who has two worlds and one god, in other words, this is not the be-all and end-all, and there's only one god wherever they, they are, won't be afraid of such a toy. In other words, even in the most difficult of circumstances, we could ach- we could aim for and achieve a level of clarity and inner peace and inner purpose that can defy whatever's around us. And Pesach comes every year to remind us, don't be locked into narratives that are unhealthy to you. Don't be locked into stories that might be comfortable and convenient and sad, but aren't helping you play your part in this world. I often wonder that, you know, when we come up to heaven, please God, none of, if it shouldn't happen to any of us soon. When you come up to heaven, I wonder if they allow you to bring a list of excuses of all the reasons that we didn't achieve our potential. And what I also wonder is, if we come with that list, 
And even if the heavenly court accepted it, we have a perfect reason why we weren't a better spouse. And we have a great reason why we weren't a decent parent. We're a great reason why we didn't manage to be a decent boss, l- control our anger, etc. I wonder if it would matter, not in the eyes of the heavenly court, but in our own eyes. In other words, when we have that clarity, and I, th- I, I, I love to think that this world that we live in is a world of questions, and the world to come is a world of answers. Once a person passes away, there are no more questions, there's only answers, because questions is a journey. Answers are the end of a journey. And I wonder when we get those answers, when we get that clarity, how do we feel about all the excuses we had? Even if they're justified, even if they save us from so-called, you know, cleansing and punishment after. Let's say, but when we get that clarity of the unbelievable potential that we had in this world, and we compare it to the level of excuses that we had to not achieve our potential, does it add up? Does it bring peace? So many of us have wonderful reasons, wonderful reasons, why we're not playing our part, why we're not working on our character, why we're not becoming more mature, more refined, more spiritual, more focused, more disciplined people. We have wonderful reasons. But ultimately, at the end of the day, is life about looking for excuses or is life about looking for solutions? Is life about justifying the fact that we didn't live up to our part or is life about living up to our part? And I think at times we are way too comfortable in that space of excusing our in our lack of living up instead of actually spending that same amount of time and effort and mental capacity to change whatever perspective we need and change whatever habit we need to truly live up to our part. So Pesach, message number one in this Fabrengen, if we could think about is can we allow ourselves to feel a little freer? Can we allow ourselves to feel a little less... Um, can, we, can we excuse ourselves less and rather than looking for reasons to not play our part, can we give our heart and our mind and our soul the freedom it needs to just shine and to play its incredible part? I want to play a beautiful Chag song, a song for the Chag. This is a very popular song around the world, including here in South Africa. It's Ya'ale by the Miami Boys Choir, Ya'ale Yavo, a prayer that we sing, sing in Amidah each Chag here on 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 Chai FM. 1.9 Chai FM, this is Rabbi Levi Afton, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul here on Soul to Soul Freedom. I heard an interesting insight somebody shared with me earlier this week. My wife actually, she heard it from one of her students, and it deeply resonated, is that a big part of the freedom that we're trying to achieve on Pesach is not only to free ourselves, but to free others. In other words, many of us struggle with judgment of others. Many of us struggle to forgive others to feel happy for other people's success, to feel pain and empathy when they're struggling. 
to look at them with neutral, loving eyes rather than subjective eyes of how you make me feel. Does your joy make me feel insecure? Does your unhappiness make me in a way feel better? And unfortunately, the human being, the part of our human character, the Yetzirah, allows us to sometimes have very unforgiving and condescending and unloving thoughts about each other. And a big part of Pesach is to allow ourselves to free the people around us from our constant judgment. Interesting, there's in the Haggadah that we read on the two nights of Pesach, one of the episodes we read about is Amar Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah said, he talks about living um, the concept of the exodus every single day of your life, etc., etc. And it begins by saying that Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah says, I am like the age of 70. And what does it mean? I am like the age of 70. So there's a famous story in the Talmud that at that stage there was a disagreement between various rabbis. Um, and at the time, the leader of the local, the, of the yeshiva, of the main yeshiva of the, at the time, house of study was Rabbi Gamliel, who had a, quite a harsh standard of who can be accepted and sit in the study hall. And he used to say, whoever is, whoever is a person that their inside is not as pure as their outside. In other words, they're not authentic. They may not enter. There has to be pure harmony between the inside and outside congruency. And many, many students couldn't come in. And at some stage, for whatever reason, there was a, a, a argument and they had to remove Raman Gamliel from his post. And they felt that the right person to appoint at the time was this Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, who was 18 years old. And the story goes that he came home that night and his wife told him, you look so young, how are they going to respect you? And he woke up the next morning and he had white hairs and that's why he felt like 70 because suddenly people's esteem of him went up when he seemed older than his young 18 years. And his first policy change that he brought was allowing everybody to enter the hall. And the hall was packed from a hall that was relatively empty to a hall that was literally no space left because his idea was, I'm not here to judge you, I'm not here to sit there putting an impossible standard, but rather whoever wants to come learn, regardless if you're fully congruent within yourself, come and learn. And it's this reason that Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah is mentioned in Agada, specifically his name and the idea that he talks about the time that I turned from 18 to so-called 70 is because it reminds us of that story. It reminds us of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah's attitude that he allowed people the gift of being their authentic selves. He allowed people the gift of not being perfect. He allowed people the gift of me not judging you. Unfortunately, so many of us walk into a room and we often feel that before we can even say boo, we're judged. Whether it is by foreigners, people that don't know us, whether it's by friends, whether it's even family. Family can often be the most judgmental of each other. Love can often be tainted and is closely married at times by judgment. 
I love you so much, and therefore, how can you behave like this? You're embarrassing the family. You're not living up to the standard of the so-called, um, you know, perfect Goldberg family. So, you know, you have to play a certain part. And it's not because I disrespect you. It's because, on the contrary, I respect the family name, and I believe in your potential so much, so I'm not accepting you for the way you are, and I don't love you for who you are. I'm only going to love you when you achieve a certain space which is very similar to the theme that comes up right after Pesach, and that is the students of Rabbi Akiva, who didn't respect one another, yet they loved each other, and 24,000 students died, and we mourned for them, which is a topic for after Pesach. But it's a similar concept, and that inability of allowing people to just be themselves, just loving them for who they are. doesn't mean that I condone your inactions or that you condone mine. We could still say what is wrong is wrong without looking less of you for doing something wrong. We can still love each other and respect one another even if we're both human beings not living up to our ultimate potential. We don't have to sit in constant judgment of each other, which unfortunately is the great tyranny that sits at the core of Jewish disunity, and that is judgment. And Pesach comes and tells us, stop, just just let people be. And I mentioned earlier, today is the birthday of, you know, Lubavitcher Rebbe, and as, as my mentor and somebody who's, you know, impacted hundreds of thousands and millions of lives, but obviously I could only talk from a personal perspective, one of the ideas that he taught that most probably was the most transformative in my own life and continues to transform me, is his absolute non-judgmentalism. His ability, no matter, you know, he was a he was a great man. He was a tzaddik. He was a person that did whatever he could to serve God. He was a servant of God, studying Torah all day, doing acts of kindness, leading tra- uh, a transformation of Jewish outreach. An incredible human being, but when he sat across a person who in theory seemed so much less and so distant, he didn't look at him, heaven forbid, in judgment. He looked at him with absolute love. And one of my favorite stories is a guy that, it's on video. A guy comes to the Rebbe, and he's, there's a meeting with various donors. And he comes to the Rebbe, and he says, I came here to find a bit of Yiddishkeit, to find a bit of Judaism. Like, as in, I came to visit you, Rebbe, because you're going to inspire me. And the Rebbe points at his heart and says, why do you have to come here? You have more Judaism in your heart than, you ha- than, than you'll find here. Look inside. Don't look at me. Look inside and see how much inspiration you have within yourself. You have a well. In other words, to be able to look at somebody who's feeling inadequate and insecure about their space and to sit there saying, I don't judge you. On the contrary, I love you. Do you want to come? You want to grow? Of course I'm here for you. But no matter what you do and what you don't do, I am here and I respect you. And I see you as God's ultimate child. One of my favorite stories, um, which I believe happened with Rabbi Srol of Rujin, it's a very interesting story, but it's it's fascinating, is that there was a certain character in the town that was extremely problematic. He was so hectic. He was a snitch. He would actually report negatively about the the, the, the local Jews to the government. He was a Jew, but he was an absolute terror of a character, vengeful, spiteful, hateful. And at some stage, they, people just couldn't take it anymore, and they were trying to figure out a way of literally getting rid of him at no matter cost. 
and this happened in the 18th century, 19th centuries, they come to Rabbi Yisrael Rajin and they say, you know, we want your blessing to make sure this guy disappears. And he says, how can I condone that you will destroy Mashiach's gift? Mashiach's gift? The Redeemer's gift? What is that supposed to mean? He's the gift? <laughs> what? So Rabbi Yisrael Rajin says, he says, let me tell you, let me tell you a, a, a story, or rather, uh, imagination I have. He says, imagine Mashiach comes now. The Redeemer comes now. And suddenly we're all taken back to the Holy Land and we're all, you know, finally free and liberated and serving God in, in absolute ecstasy and freedom and knowledge. And then the local townspeople of the town that we're at are trying to, you know, find favor in the eyes of Mashiach. They don't want him to take revenge for, you know, all the tsaras they've given us over the many years. And they try to think of the ultimate gift to bring Mashiach. Now, they think of giving gold and silver, and then they find out that this Mashiach, thank God, is quite wealthy, doesn't need their gold and silver. Beautiful diamonds, nah, it doesn't need it. Wonderful leather of respect, that eh, means nothing. And finally, one of them comes up with the idea and says, let's bring a Jew to Mashiach. Let's bring him a, a, a Jew. The problem is all the Jews are already in Jerusalem. They're already there. So they, they're looking high and low and they can't find anybody because everybody, you know, the second the Mashiach came, everyone ran and went to Jerusalem. And finally they find this one terror, this one character who was an absolute menace in town, who even when Mashiach came didn't run. And they schlep him and they bind him up and they travel to Jerusalem and they present Mashiach and they say, we brought you one Jew. And the Rosina looks at the people and says, can you imagine the joy of Mashiach when he finds that there was one more person to still redeem, there was one more person to bring home? Says the Rosina, and you want me to depose him? You want me to condone getting rid of him? Obviously, let's try to contain him, but heaven forbid to get rid of this individual. And it's a it's a bit humorous, but it's a very powerful story of how to look at each other, how to look at e- each and every one of us, and to see within each other the incredible spirituality and soul and holiness, and to free ourselves from this incessant judgment that so many of us walk around with. Just walk around, and the second a person does a little different than what we do. We're right away there to judge. And it's fascinating. And someone one time told me, he says, anyone that's a little more religious than me is a fanatic. And anyone that's a little less religious than me is an absolute renegade and atheist. Which is, which is unfortunately the truth of how many people see it. So, for example, if I'm a character that comes to Shul five times a year, and I see a person that only comes to Shul twice a year, oh, come on, what kind of person is that? If you're the person that comes twice a year and this person never comes, oh, what kind of person are that? And if you made a bar mitzvah for your child and the other person didn't, oh, what kind of Jew does that? Et cetera, et cetera. We all love to set our standard as the ultimate standard of what it means to be a person, to be a person of faith. And anyone that's less than us, we're there to judge them with full capacity. And you're like, first of all, if that's the definition of judgment, we could all judge each other because we're all less than somebody else. But more importantly, what kind of life is that? 
Why look around and pick ourselves up at the expense of others? Why look to justify our own inadequacies by saying, hey, look, I'm better than you? Instead of saying, I'm not looking at what you don't do. I'm not looking here to prove that I'm better than you. I don't need you to feel good for myself. You're not a tool for my own self-esteem. I don't have to put you down to pick myself up, but rather I can just allow you to be you and celebrate you for being you and allow you to the gift of being on your own journey, allow you the gift of being on a unique journey that's tailor-made for you. God put you in this world in this unique circumstance, and I am here to support you and love you and, and hold your hand, but I will not judge you. I will not put you down. I will not confine you into the exile of my constant judgment. Freedom doesn't only mean to free ourselves from our own perceptions. It means to free others from our perceptions of them. And that's an incredibly powerful and achievable insight that we can all aim for this Pesach, to look around that room and we sit at the Pesach night around family and ask ourselves, am I a bit too judgmental of the people around me? of my loved ones? Am I too harsh on my child, on my spouse, on my sibling, on my parent? Can I be more forgiving and more open and more generous, more forgiving and you know, more just, I'm here for you without imposing my own nonsense on you? If we can, if we can bestow the freedom on other people, what an incredible Pesach gift. Much better than any Afikoman gift we could ever come up with. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 Chai FM. Liberating ourselves, liberating each other. Obviously, like any theme, every day is a great day to liberate. You know, if I choose today or I choose a week ago or I choose three months ago to liberate myself, I can. But there's no question that on specific days of the calendar, Hashem brings in a unique energy, a unique um, influence into this world, which makes it easier to accomplish and allows us to reach much further in our attempts. So when this energy of freedom comes in, the question is, are we going to latch onto it? Do we know which freedom we want to allow ourselves to accomplish this week? Do we have an aim? Do we know that by the end of Pesach, next Saturday night, not this week, the week after that, next Mitzvah Shabbos, by the time Pesach's over, that we would have achieved a certain liberty within ourselves, that we would have made ourselves a little lighter? Because that's what freedom is. Slavery is heavy. It's literally sitting in chains, if you want to use your imagination. It's sitting in chains, bound, heavy, thick. We're told that the ninth plague of the Egyptians in Egypt was choshech, was darkness. But the, the second part of the plague, the next, the, the second three days, second set of three days, the darkness was so thick they couldn't move. Thick darkness, and you could actually allow your imagination to to wrap your head around it, that the darkness becomes so thick. You know, interesting, last week they spoke about that they managed to finally take a picture of a black hole, who knows how many light years away. Um, and it's fascinating, you know, if you actually do the, you look into how they managed to take the picture of the dark hole. But one of the things of a black hole is the the idea that over there time-space becomes so warped, it's so thick, it's so dense, 
There's an incredible density that living in this planet, we cannot even imagine that amount of density where everything just gets absorbed, all light and everything around it just literally gets swallowed in that incredible density. Darkness in its ultimate sense is density, this thickness, this heaviness, just, you know, this, this laziness and cloud, this cloud in front of us that just feels like it's weighing us down. That is slavery. Liberty, on the other hand, is free, light, free as a bird. This ability to soar, the ability to jump out, the ability to f- not be covered by thickness, by smug, but just to be able to float, to soar, to float, to just be liberated. When you think of the word liberty, you think of somebody swimming in ocean, flying in the sky, breathing in, in, in nature. You, you think of somebody that has space and, and endless space in front of them. Opportunity, bliss, that's freedom. Again, slavery is thick and freedom is light. So which thickness are we living into? Which density are we currently living that's making our life heavy? That when people around sit around us for an hour, they're like, you're heavy. What's making us so heavy? Is it our inability to forgive? So therefore, we're just talking about our foribles all day. Is it our inability of just appreciating the life we have? So therefore, we need to learn gratitude and we're just fetching all day. What is that thickness? What's what about our energy is heavy that, you know, after people spend time with us or even we spend time with ourselves, we're like, oh, can barely live like that. Where can we get lighter? What's bogging us down? Where are the chains? Which attitudes in our lives are literally chaining us down? not allowing us to fly. Another way of thinking of it is we're told that the Exodus is an eternal journey, that until Mashiach comes from when we left Egypt, until Mashiach comes, we're in a constant journey towards the ultimate freedom. So slavery is heaviness. Freedom is light. Literally, when Mashiach comes, we're told we're going to soar on the clouds. I'll carry you on the wings of eagles. We're going to fly. We're going to soar. Are we living an exile attitude, a slavery attitude of heaviness, or are we moving towards a a redemption attitude, a Mashiach attitude, an attitude that allows us to feel free and to soar high? That's really the question we have to ask ourselves. And when we have this incredible tool of freedom on our doorstep, in 72 hours, let's grab it. Let's grab it with all, in both our hands, hold it tight and say, you know what? I want to feel lighter. I don't want to be so dense. I don't want to be so thick. I don't want my energy to be so heavy. I want to be joyous. I want to be easy. I want to be fun. I want to be free. Soar. I want to be free. That's really what it is. I want to be free. What's fascinating uh, in the, one of the fascinating details in the Exodus story is how four out of five people didn't want to be free. They didn't want to leave Egypt and they ended up dying in the plague of darkness. A whole show for another time. But the idea that many of us can ach- actively choose and fight to stay thick, 
to stay heavy rather than be free. That means as much as it feels so good to be free, many of us, by our own choice and our own behaviors, are constantly choosing, I want to live heavy. I want to have a heart that's full of grudges. I want to have a heart that's angry. I want to have a heart full of fear. I want to have a heart full of paranoia. Instead of saying, I don't want it. Maybe I won't achieve an ultimate free heart, but at least I want a free heart. Do we even aspire for freedom? One of the great stories of somebody, at the, when the Israeli army in 1967 liberated the Kotel, the Western Wall, and there's a soldier who you know, was an agnostic standing at the wall crying his eyes out. And somebody turns to him and says, but you barely believe in anything. Why are you crying? What do you care about? He says, I'm crying that I'm not crying. I care that I don't care. Do we care that, we, that our, our heart is so thick? Do we at least care to care? Do we want to break out of our endless variables? Or do we think that that's the way to live, to constantly hold somebody in contempt, to constantly look for who's giving me a disservice? Or do we want to be free? At least if we want it, we might get it. If we don't want it, we'll never change. The four out of five Jews in Egypt, all they did was they didn't want to go free. And that sabotaged their freedom. And the other people did nothing. All they did is want to go free. And then they were free. Sometimes the only difference between being free and enslaved is the desire of freedom. This is 101.9 High FM. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Branding is what people say about you when you aren't in the room. To find out how High FM can work for your brand, call us on 010-140-4090. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Rabbi Levi Avtson. And time to wrap up the show. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, listeners. I want to wish each and every one of us and each and every one of you a Chag Pesach Kasher V'Sameach, a incredible holiday of freedom and redemption and lightness and joy and family bonding and growth and, oh gosh, all the brachas, all the blessings, they should just shower down in incredible abundance. May we be blessed that this Pesach we don't celebrate in diaspora, we celebrate in the Holy Land in Jerusalem, together with Mashiach, we should then be able to bring the Pesach sacrifice and be able to celebrate in the Holy Temple. Over there we're going to bring to God, we're going to be able to do the true Aliyah, make it to Israel, go into the Holy Temple and go up that mountain, the Temple Mount, to serve to God in our beautiful home speedily in our days, in our time, may we merit the coming of Mashiach, the coming of the third temple, the true redemption, the, the, the final chapter of the Pesach story, in our time. Amen. Wishing you all Chag Pesach Kasher Sameach. We wrap up the show with another song from the Miami Boys Choir, Nick Hadesh, here on 101.9 Chai FM.